Before I begin, I just want to say how great it is to be back in this space, to see so many familiar faces and so many new ones. Thank you. As Katrina mentioned earlier, I recently, re recently returned from spending the summer in Southern Africa working on HIV and AIDS education projects in Lesotho, Swaziland, and South Africa. While there, I became quite well acquainted with their taxi system. In South Africa, what are called taxis are very different than what we here call taxis. What we consider taxis here are called rickies, and a taxi in South Africa is actually a minibus or a big van where usually between 18 and 20 people jam in and embark on a journey that will hopefully get them at least closer to their destination. They're popular and heavily used because they are far more cheaper, much more affordable than rickies or other forms of private transportation. These vehicles are often unroadworthy, and the drivers, though most are very friendly, seem to have made it their own personal challenge to run every red light and stop sign possible and have a general disregard for drivers and pedestrians. I have many death-defying stories of my taxi trips, but I'll have to save those for another time. Something else to tell you about taxis is that they don't go anywhere until the entire taxi is filled up. So if you luck out and are one of the last people to get on, most of the time you don't have to wait very long. But if you're not so lucky and are one of the first people to get in, you could be in for quite a wait. Though people will, from time to time, say or do something that will show their impatience or frustration, for the most part, everyone who takes a taxi there has already reconciled within themselves that their time is simply not only their own, that their lives are intricately connected to others. In the ample time that transporting myself provided, while trying to calm my nerves about how I knew I was going to be late to another meeting, I did quite a bit of thinking. And I couldn't help but think about what would happen if this mode of transportation were somehow transplanted into, say, Boston or New York. It didn't take me long to conclude that it wouldn't work. As a country, we are deeply steeped in puritanical individualism and independence. From the first American, Benjamin Franklin, came the notion of the self-made man and our high esteem for those who strive on their own for personal success. Predating our Constitution was a long-held belief that America's highest ideals would be rooted in individual freedom. Where is the individual freedom and independence in having to wait daily on others, all on differing schedules, to fill up a taxi so you can try to get where you're going? And our own religious history shares similar roots. The Transcendentalists instilled in us an acclaim for Emersonian self-reliance. And Emerson himself further exhorted a highly private and personal experience of religion. And I'll just say here that I'm not trying to convince you that independence and individuality is a bad thing. Individuality and relying on yourself can be and have been incredibly motivating forces in our country without which many of our greatest accomplishments would never have come into being. But are we missing out on something by living such individualized existences? We have community, for sure. And from my time as a member here, I can attest that this congregation does community particularly well. And even so, I think our Western concept of community is still defined by the individuals that make up the community. 
In Africa, there is an old philosophy that instead defines the individual by the community of which they are a part. It is called Ubuntu. One rough translation of this Zulu saying, and the one I like best is, I am because you are. Archbishop Emeritus Desmond Tutu has this to say on the subject. Ubuntu is a concept that we have in our Bantu languages at home. Ubuntu is the essence of being a person. It means that we are people through other people. We cannot be fully human alone. We are made for interdependence. We are made for family. When you have Ubuntu, you embrace others. You are generous and compassionate. If the world had more Ubuntu, we would not have war. We would not have this huge gap between the rich and the poor. You are rich so that you can make up for what is lacking for others. And you are powerful so that you can help the weak. This is God's dream. This is not a new concept, nor is it solely African in origin. The Ubuntu concept is present right in our very own seven principles. You combine principle one to affirm and promote the inherent worth and dignity of all people with principle number seven to respect and care for the interdependent web of existence of which we are all a part. There you have it, Ubuntu. Likewise, going back to our reading this morning taken from Paul's letter to the Corinthians, we are members one of another. If we were all a single member, where would the body be? In a conversation with a friend about this passage, she, an artist, started describing the image that came up for her while reading it. She described an image of a person whose body is made up of many, many smaller people, each as different from the next as from the previous. It sounded to me sort of like those pictures that when you're close up are made up of a bunch of really small portraits. But then when you step back, you can see Lincoln's face or Madonna's face. If even one picture was missing, the larger picture would be incomplete. And this is what Ubuntu teaches us. Many scholars and writers who have written on Ubuntu claim that it exists in direct opposition to individualism. But I don't agree. Ubuntu gives all the room necessary for individual freedom. If you break the philosophy down, you first have, I am. I am funny. I am healthy. I am a musician. I am one who is content to stay in the background. I am okay with being really bad at math. But Ubuntu appropriately does not let you stay there. It signals that there is a larger responsibility that cannot be forgotten. I cannot be fully human alone because you are. Not because you are fully human alone, but because you are. I am funny because you are kind enough to laugh at my jokes. I am healthy because you taught me to care for myself. I am a musician because you listened to my notes. I am content to stay in the background because you will still see me. And I am okay with being really bad at math because you can always figure out the tip at restaurants. It is through Ubuntu that we come to an interdependent existence. We must learn to hang on to our Emersonian self-reliance while also allowing ourselves to come to rely on others for what we cannot do alone. It's all about finding the balance. 
If we grasp for the former too strongly, we're arrogant and isolated. And if we're always seeking out others to do for us, we fall into a pit of self-serving laziness. We will always have those dark nights of the soul where it feels as if we are wandering through the wilderness alone with no one to help carry the heavy load burdening our bodies, hearts, and minds. But in reality, no one can do it alone, whether we like it or not. And many of us are already living in ways that are compatible with Ubuntuism. We just need to take some more steps. Ubuntu means giving into a different set of givens, givens that say, we are not alone. What we do matters, matters to ourselves, and matters to others. It means practicing and living out those givens time and time again, until eventually we alter our collective unconscious to reflect these new norms. Norms that can uphold local community, recognize global interdependence, and offer a network of mutuality that gives us the necessary tools to get the job done. But what specifically will that look like? And what are the tools necessary to work within this network? It is here that I wish there were an easy answer. In recounting his time chairing the Truth and Reconciliation Commission in South Africa, Tutu shares what characterizes people who embody the spirit of Ubuntu. He says, such people are open and available to others, willing to be vulnerable, affirming of others. They do not feel threatened that others are able and good because they have a proper self-assurance that comes from knowing that they belong in a greater whole. They know that they are diminished when others are humiliated, diminished when others are oppressed, diminished when others are treated as if they were less than who they are. The main tools necessary, I believe, are love and kindness. Love and kindness for each other and ourselves, as well as for the earth on which we live and move and have our being. And compassion, compassion for those who falter. And courage, courage to encourage those who have faltered to see that there is another way. I would now like to give you all an opportunity to join a little bit more actively in this worship service. The opportunity to share your beautiful voices and hearts and minds with one another. In just a minute, I'm going to ask you all to arrange yourselves in groups of roughly five to six. This may involve some physical movement on your part, but don't worry, I'll give you plenty of time. You know what, actually, why don't we move into the groups first and then I'll give the rest of the directions. It'll probably be most comfortable if you can find a place to sit together. <laughs> Those boxes over there might be a good place on either side. Yep. Or the front, come up to the pulpit. Yeah. Okay. Are you guys comfortable standing? Yeah. Okay. All right. I'd like you to do a sort of fill-in-the-blank exercise. Um, 
If you're, if you're comfortable, this might be harder if you're standing, if you're comfortable, close your eyes for a moment. Just take a second to recall a time when the interdependent web was at work in your life. Just let your mind go wherever it will. Now try to think of a time when again you recognize the interdependent web, but just in the past 24 hours. You can open your eyes. So it's okay if not all of these experiences are positive, they're honest. I'm pretty sure that if we had a representative of our planet Earth here this morning, she might have some pretty negative things running through her head right now. Now, if you're comfortable with your group, please share one of these experiences by filling out the Ubuntu sentence. I am because you are. So I am blank because so-and-so was, is, has been, will be blank. For some of you, one more thing, sorry. <laughs> for some of you, this will be really easy, and you like talking and getting to know people. And for others, this might be really difficult and really scary. And no matter where you fall in the spectrum, I would encourage you to challenge yourself. Share what you have to say, because what you have to say is important. And listen to what others have to say, because what they have to say is equally important. OK, you can have at it. Can I just have a quick show of hands if your group has all gone around? Okay, good. Are you guys finished? Okay. Okay, you guys all come back. I hope you all enjoyed that, getting to know your neighbors. In an interview before a large group of South African youth, Desmond Tutu said this, I want you all to be all you can be, because that is the only way that I can be all that I can be. I want you to be you so that I can be me. When you dehumanize another, you yourself are dehumanized. This is the lesson to learn and the lesson to practice, and this is the lesson to remember. I'd like to conclude with a poem by Marianne Williamson. 
It has been a favorite of mine for years. In it, she includes an excerpt from Nelson Mandela's inaugural presidential speech, in which it is precisely this Ubuntu philosophy that he hopes will unite the South African people. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God, and your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people will not feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine, as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It is not just in some of us, it is in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. May it be so.